Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We are going to be joined by the Ringers, Danny Kelly, who is just an expert on all things NFL draft and fantasy football. Um, and so we're going to break down Atlanta's draft this year, really going to dive into Bijan Robinson and, and what he's going to bring to this offense, what he could potentially do in, uh, in fantasy this season. So if you're already starting to get uh, an eye and a read on the fantasy landscape, you're going to like this conversation as well. But really, you know, just wanted to get some insight um, from somebody who I know before the draft uh, watches all of the film, covers all of the prospects, uh, and has a really good read on just the overall process. So he kind of helped me dive through, answer some questions that I had about certain players, um, where they were taken, everything like that. So I really hope that you will uh, stay tuned and enjoy that conversation. Um, as for what's kind of coming up over the next little bit, uh, don't have everything fully mapped out. Honestly, just trying to get through draft season itself is such a slog that my my focus was in making sure that draft week uh, was going to go off as flawlessly as possible. And looking back, I'm really happy with uh, with everything that we did here at Believe in Falcons. So thank you to everybody who joined me in the lead up to the draft. Thank you for Ovi again for uh, for coming on and recapping the draft on Monday's show. Uh, so just stay tuned. You can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on what all is going to be happening with the podcast in the coming weeks. Probably going to be a little bit more evergreen stuff. Probably going to be a little bit more historic. I may talk to some players, try to do all of these fun things. Um, but as of right now, don't know what exactly we have planned out. But stay tuned for that. You can also, uh, I recommend, go check out our YouTube channel, Believe in Falcons. Same name. That easy. Uh, and you'll be able to find all of our content that is on video. Again, trying to get better at that over the summer. I think I've already made two thumbnail images. If you go to our last couple of videos, you'll see the thumbnails. Going to make one for this as well, hopefully. So already uh, improving my skills in that way. So thank you guys so much for the continued support wherever you've decided to support us, audio or video. And I hope that you will stick around throughout this offseason and hopefully for what is a very, very fun 2023 to come. Well, what's to come next is my conversation with Danny Kelly. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get you right on over to that. But first, betonline.ag is your number one source for all things basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including player reports for this year's NBA playoffs right over at BetOnline, which is always your sports information headquarters this season. And they've got you covered for all of your sports wagering needs. That includes basketball, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and right on down to UFC and boxing. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options, as well as your favorite casino and card games, which you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action, but be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Danny Kelly of The Ringer joins me now to break down the Atlanta Falcons 2023 draft. He does amazing work over at The Ringer. I'd encourage everybody to go check out, you know, I'd say his draft stuff, but the draft is already wrapped up. So go check out all of his great fantasy football stuff. 
uh, which I'm sure will be rolling down the the pike here soon. But Danny, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to join me. How you doing, man? Absolutely. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm kind of glad that the draft is over, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> kind of fun to digest everything and have people or have players on actual teams now so we can talk about that. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 going well. I don't know about you, but it's like when the NFL season wraps up, which I'm always sad about because you kind of hit that point, maybe like week 15, where you're like, oh, man, this is all going to come to an end soon. Got to start enjoying all of this. <laughs> yeah. But then when it's over, you're like, that season was long. Let's get into the draft. And it's kind of fun and exciting because these are new players. Everything's the potential. It's it's like the hierarchy's not set yet. But then by the yeah. end of draft season, I am so exhausted of just talking about all of these guys <laughs> over and over again. We don't know anything different. We just have had yep. an in conversation forever. I mean, I imagine that you feel five times as much as I do, given the fact that you have to kind of be, be the front person for a whole website with the draft coverage. Yeah, it's funny because during the draft, cycle it's like we talk ourselves in and out of guys like it seems like you know it just depends on the week and um maybe one little piece of news or something but we just like one guy will fall up up or will fall down boards the other guy will rise up boards and like nothing literally nothing has actually happened no football <laughs> has actually happened so um i think the draft period is just a little bit too long but again thank, yeah. thankfully we're through it and um now we can start to actually talk about things that are are real and that are going to happen and then before we know it the season will be starting so something real that actually did happen was the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> selecting Bijan Robinson at number eight, which is one of those things that, you know, we we talked about. We didn't even talk about the player. We just kind of talked about the position because the player unanimously, everybody was like, Bijan Robinson is amazing right. and is a really good football player. But your grade for the Atlanta Falcons draft was a C plus. And I'm really curious to know how much of that, how much of the letter grade is reflective of just the value inherent in in the running back position and then drafting him in the top 10 versus yeah. the player that you actually think that the Falcons got? Or is it, you know, that's obviously a reflection of the full class. Do you think the rest of it, like, what are your thoughts on that C-plus grade? Yeah, it, to me, it, and that's just how I have done it historically. Um, you know, for a team specifically like the Falcons, I think it does make sense to have a running back like Bijan Robinson. Obviously, like, he's going to be the engine of their offense, they're going to use them a lot. They're going to try and get their, the most out of it in terms of, um, you know, how often he touches the football and, and, you know, probably give up a heavy volume all four years plus probably a fifth year. And so, <laughs> you know, you can definitely talk yourself into it. But at the same time, if you just look at the way that positions are paid in the NFL, like you're there's a massive opportunity cost there of getting a guy on a huge discount, if that makes sense. So like if you have yep. a high level tackle, and he's making uh, whatever that is the slot is at number eight. Like he, he, that is a huge, huge value according to the salary cap. It helps you get other players in the building, helps you get free agents that you might not normally get. And so there is just a massive amount of opportunity cost that comes with drafting a, a, a running back that high. Um, and so you know, I ding team every team. It's like you know, I'm team agnostic about it. I don't think that the Falcons are idiots or anything for for doing that. But like <laughs> just recognizing that there's an opportunity cost there for saving. Money. If you find a good player at a premium position, a, a position that gets paid, you know, at a high, high level, you know, that is something that teams need to consider. And I think that's important. So um, at the same time, you know, C plus like it sounds harsh, but like I, I do like the Bajan Robinson pick. Like, I think it, it's going to be really fun to watch him in that offense. He's a great fit for what they're wanting. They're wanting to do on offense. Um, I think he has a exceptionally low 
bust potential to, you know, so mm-hmm. like obviously some teams you could you could argue like the opposite of what I'm saying is you could argue we don't think this guy's going to bust. We think he's going to be a really good player for us. There's a very low risk of him being terrible. And some teams in the top 10 picking in the top 10 might just have players that straight up suck. And so, you know, at least we're getting that. So I, I, I see both sides of it sort of if I'm, if, you know, if I'm being totally honest. So, uh, but that's just generally how I grade um, the opportunity cost of taking a running back that early. You have to ding them a little bit. I ding the, the, um, the lions, I think even more for their pick of Jameer Gibbs, just because he's not in the same stratosphere as John Robinson as a prospect. So um, yeah, it's just, it's just positional value and, and opportunity cost, really. I like the fact that you brought up the Lions there at the very end, because that that's something that I've been thinking about a little bit. And I remember back when the um, Falcons drafted Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom, I believe that was 2019. And yeah, at the time, Thomas Dimitrov was the general manager. And I, I made a comment uh, on Twitter basically saying that I thought, uh, what was it, 16 when the Falcons were drafting or maybe even a little bit earlier than that, but that it was too high to take a guard. And, and it was Chris Lindstrom, and obviously the Falcons have just made him the highest paid guard uh, in <laughs> right. NFL history. So they were proven right, and and I was probably proven wrong. And and the value there, the question is is interesting. But what Thomas, you know, told me was that like part of their job is to understand the way the board's going to fall and to understand what teams are thinking. Yep. And so the the draft order, these mock drafts that we may be talking about um, externally, the NFL teams, they have a much different idea of what's going to happen. And you saw Garrett Bradbury go just like two picks later to the Vikings. And to me, it's like, all right, if the Falcons don't take Chris Lindstrom, he's going to Minnesota just two picks later. So like what value conversation are we having there? Because another team valued him right around there. So right. that's kind of where I feel about the the Jameer Gibbs and, and the John Robinson conversation is like, if he doesn't go to Atlanta, is he just getting selected four picks earlier? And sure, that's four picks. But to the whole conversation of, well, they should have just traded down and gotten him then. I like, I don't, right. I don't think it's that easy. I don't like the value part. I totally understand. And it's why we, why everybody goes crazy drafting quarterbacks, because if you get a rookie quarterback that hits, that's such an incentive or it's such an advantage for your cap uh, that it right, makes right. you a contender kind of financially, um, if not on the field. But in December, like if the Falcons are making a playoff push and they have the best rushing attack in the in the league, like I don't think we're going to be sitting here saying, yeah, but they could have gotten Bijan at 12 if they had traded back with Detroit. You know, like I think right. just add really good players on your team. So is Atlanta's offense maybe the best in the league for Bijan to be coming into? Because, I mean, imagine this offense with essentially a Derrick Henry type of talents, not a type of player, but but that capability. I mean, what do you think the ceiling could be for this Falcons offense on the ground? Yeah, and I think honestly, like I, I probably sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I understand the financial aspect of it. I understand the value aspect aspect of it, but I also am not completely like running backs don't matter pilled or whatever like that. Like I, I, I still <laughs> yeah. believe that running backs do matter. The elite running backs make a difference. They can make an impact. Um, if you're confident and, and you feel that he's going to be this guy, I mean, if you look at everything he's done in college, you know, his, his chops in the passing game, this is a guy that could come in and, you know, touch the ball. I don't know, 25 times a game or something like that. Like that is a lot of times to be handing the football or, or passing the football to this guy. And don't you want a guy that's touching the football that often to be like a really big impact difference maker, um, rather than you know, a guy that is fine and he, he's good and, and he's cheap or whatever. Like to me, 
I can understand how coaches and how GMs talk themselves into the running back position too, just because, you know, like in an offense specifically like the Falcons where they're so focused on running the ball. Um, and in a, in an offense like Arthur Smith's where they're more than most other teams or more than maybe any team, there are re- really like positionless players. Like they can line mm-hmm. up anywhere. We've got Cordero Patterson doing a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I can see why you talk yourself into like a guy like Bijan because, you know, we're going we're gonna to give this guy who's an elite tackle breaker, who's a really explosive home run hitter, uh, we're going to give him the football 25 times instead of some other guy that, you know, might not do as much with it. So um, I realize I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth a little bit, but um, I, I'm not completely against running backs and, and, and how much they affect an offense. I do think he could be a big impact player for them and not just in, on the ground, but in the passing game, like he's got, you know, plays on tape where he's running vertical routes down the field, like jumping up, leaping and, and twirling in the air and catching the ball and continuing to run. Like he's <laughs> just a natural pass catcher. Yeah. So there's just a million different things you could do with him. Um, and so, you know, I do think it makes sense. And I, I didn't like hate the pick necessarily for the Falcons. I'm actually really excited to see this offense in action because, you know, with Pitts in London and um, hopefully Ritter takes a jump in, in year two. And, and maybe this will be like one of the more at least efficient offenses in the NFL. And I think it makes sense from the Ritter perspective, right? Like when the Falcons drafted Matt Ryan, even though they believed in Matt Ryan and and he performed really well as a rookie, they still also brought in Michael Turner as a free agent. You know, like they still wanted to make their their run game. I think I went back and actually looked at Matt Ryan's start recent, his first start. He threw like eleven passes in that entire game, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we all we all remember his first touchdown pass being like a sixty four yard touchdown to to Michael Jenkins. But it's like man, he didn't do much of anything in that game workload-wise because they managed him like a rookie quarterback. I think that adding to the offense in a way that's not 100% dependent on Desmond Ritter to get the player the ball. I know that you had, you know, a, maybe a public feud with Arthur Smith for his use of <laughs> Kyle Pitts last year in, in fantasy. Um, uh, that was I think kind that's of a maybe bit. fair to say. So yeah. <laughs> I think... I think Bijan, maybe you're a little bit safer getting all excited uh, about him from a fantasy perspective because he's in an offense that is going to like going to use him. That's unquestioned. Like they're going to hand him the ball. They're going to use him in the slot. They're going to get him involved in so many different ways. And that's where I think you expand the value of the pick a little bit beyond what a typical running back would be. But can we pivot to fantasy for one second? I, I heard you guys yeah. um, on, on your day three show kind of talk about the offensive rookie of the year. And I think it's very safe to say that Bijan, for all the reasons we just laid out, talent, usage, offense, just potential for team success and him being a difference maker in that should maybe be the front runner for offensive rookie of the year if he's not already right now. But yeah. from a fantasy yeah. perspective, like where do you think he'll get drafted? I know it's very early, but like, is he... In that RB1 range, is he maybe RB3, RB4? And where do you think he could end up when all is said and done? So we did our initial very first rankings actually today. And we we posted a pod about it. So it should be up pretty soon here. And and I was by far the most bullish on him. I I, um, I had him ranked as the RB3. Um, and I wow. think my third overall player. And to me, it's more just like chasing the upside because um, I took a look at the running backs over the last... 12 years that have been selected in the top 25. So that's not even top 10 like Bijan was. It's top 25. Mm-hmm. So first round picks, essentially. Um, you know, excluding a few guys that kind of came at the very end here. So, and, and I'm also excluding Travis Etienne, who didn't play his rookie year. Yeah. Um, those running backs, so there's nine of them. Those running backs touched the ball two, uh, an average of 292 times 
per season. <laughs> uh, they scored 247 points. Um, so that's that gives you an idea. Like that's a lot for for a running back in this era. And mm-hmm. then the average finish of those running backs was RB12. But that also includes Melvin Gordon ranking as the RB48 uh, <laughs> in his rookie year because he scored zero touchdowns famously. He, he touched the ball a whole bunch of times, in fact. Um, I'm going to look here. He had 217 touches with zero touchdowns, so he finished so the original Miles Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, but like, basically, if you just go down the list, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Trent Richardson. These are all almost to a person top 10 running backs. Uh, Josh Jacobs finished as the RB21 because they refused to give him the ball at, in the air. They refused to <laughs> yeah, throw it to him like, as a rookie. Yeah. Um, but he scored, he touched the ball 262 times. And so I'm looking at this, and obviously the Falcons were, you know, convict convicted in him. Like they think he's a great player. Pick, pick him eighth overall, third straight season with a skill player that early. They obviously feel very strongly about this guy. Um, I think he's gonna touch the ball. I don't know, uh, to be conservative, 250 times at least. Um, and, you know, he's going to do a lot with it. So um, even going back to 2021, Najee Harris, who was the 24th pick, finished as the RB3. He scored 300 points. He had 381 touches. Um, that's like, to me, the more high. I'm, not, I'm, I'm yeah. afraid to go that high because it's just like, you know, who knows? But that is, to me, his ceiling. He has the ceiling to be the RB1, literally. And so... Um, I'm I'm going to be aggressive with it. There's just not very many running backs in in the NFL anymore that are getting huge volume and have his talent. Um, so and also this is a run first team, so it all kind of clicks together. Of of that group, and it's somebody that I've been thinking uh, a lot about, not just because you know the the Georgia ties, so like I'm more apt to kind of like this player regardless. But Todd Gurley and what he did to that Rams offense those first couple of years. Like if the Falcons can get 90% of that, 80% of that from Bijan Robinson, I think that justifies this pick, especially given the the um investment that they've made on the defensive side of the ball this offseason of free agency. Like, I don't think there are that many or as many holes still defensively as as everybody, I think, nationally still assumes. I could be wrong about that because you know, you've got older guys like Calais Campbell coming mm-hmm. in. You know, what is Bud Dupree gonna bring you, David Onyamata? Like are these a bunch of C pluses, B minuses that you're hoping can coalesce together and maybe ultimately be a B plus? Like, but I, I think that if if that's a little bit better, the Falcons were a seven and ten win team, and their offense was kind of just scoring like 21, 24 points a game. If you can bump that up to 27 to 30, I think you flip that, it's 10 and 7. I think that wins the NFC South. And and to me, like that's all they kind of needed to do here in this first round. And then the upside is is so much bigger. So yeah, I just like the the element that Bijan's going to bring to this to this team because it is not dependent on any one thing. It's kind of dependent on him, and he can do a little bit of it all. And Arthur Smith can call a little bit of it all. Yeah. Um, so so I think that's exciting. Let's real quick though, kind of touch on some of the other the picks. The day two, Matthew Bergeron and Zach Harrison. Which of those two guys were you more intrigued by, interested in? Like who among those two gets you excited? I think the Bergeron pick is very interesting. Um, you know, obviously he brings an element of versatility. I think he could play tackle in a pinch if they wanted him to. Obviously, he could slide into guard. He's a really good run blocker. Um, he's an ascending player to me. He was one that really stood out to me at the Senior Bowl this year. Uh, mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I think that pick just made, makes a ton of sense. Again, it's it fits the identity for what the Falcons want to do. Thought it was good value. Um, yeah, there's just a lot to like about that pick. It's it's hard to talk about guards really and and like get too <laughs> yeah. you know get too excited about it. But at the same time, I mean, this guy has good length. He played. He has good feet. He played at the tackle position in college. I think he can go in there and drop in at guard. Is that the plan? They're going to play him at guard, I assume. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the, or I mean, that's definitely going to be the short term plan because you've got Jake Matthew, yeah. Matthews and Kayla McGarry. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be that left guard competition probably with Matt Hennessy and, and Jalen Mayfield. We'll see how that all slots together. Yeah, so good, a good pick. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, interestingly, he he is a native French speaker. I was sitting, I was sitting behind his uh, family at the Senior Bowl actually, and noticed that they're all speaking French to each other. I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I put it all together that it was, uh, you know, they're from Quebec. And, and so naturally, that's the language they spoke. So I thought that was interesting anyway. <laughs> Victoriaville. Yeah, it's the new hot. There we go. Of, uh, <laughs> of NFL <laughs> recruiting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think so. You're right. Like, it's not easy necessarily to get people super excited about offensive line play and prospects. That's why you I think when when you guys do the two jargons in a lie, like the funnest or the most God, the funnest Jesus. Uh, the most fun jargons, I feel like, always have to pertain to offensive linemen, you know, like yeah. um, just a bag of sand in his pants or like cement in, a, in his pants. Like, I just love that type <laughs> right. of stuff. It's so funny. Um, but I like to look at, you know, all right, do they climb to the second level well? You know, can mm. they move well? And that is something that I think Bergeron does. And it's a clear reason why I yep. like this fit here in this offense. You can just envision, all right, him sealing an alley for a linebacker. And then there's another huge hole like they were kind of getting left and right last year. Um, but what about Zach Harrison? So off the, or Ohio State defensive end, when they picked him and, and in light of everybody kind of connecting the Falcons to Tyree Wilson, they have Calais Campbell here. Ryan Nielsen likes these big Saints-like defensive linemen. How does Zach Harrison compare and contrast to Tyree Wilson? Is he like a poor man's version or is Tyree just a much superior athlete? Certainly probably laterally, but but what do you think of those two guys in particular? I think that's a very interesting comp. Um, they both clearly have immense length. Like the mm-hmm. length thing is is the big one. The getting the hands into the chest and like forklifting guys up and pushing them back into the pocket. Both of those guys can do that. I mean, it's just so hard when you're an offensive lineman. If a guy can like punch you and get in your chest and lift you up, like it's really hard to keep leverage. And so, you know, you see that on on tape for both of these guys. Um, and I think I would say that. Tyree Wilson, the reason he was a top 10 pick or wherever he ended up going, it was like eight or nine or seven. I can't remember. Seven. Um, the reason he was that high of a pick is he has really natural power. I'm not sure Zach Harrison has the exact same power or finishing, um, mm-hmm. you know, technique or, or talent, I guess, or ability at this point in time, um, which is why I actually compared him to another first round pick. And that was Miles Murphy. I thought he reminded me of an off ah, version yeah. of Miles Murphy. Um, and he's actually longer than Miles Murphy. So maybe. The, he's probably somewhere right in between the two. He is. He's a tweener. Yeah. Stylistically, <laughs> because Zach Harrison, 36 inch arms. I mean, that's just absurd. Six foot five, 274 pounds. Um, but if you look at the, uh, the stats for Miles Murphy and Zach Harrison, they both played 13 games. Um, Murphy actually played almost, well, just over 100 more snaps, but the numbers were, were relatively similar. Pressures, Murphy had 34, Harrison had 33. Tackles for a loss, Murphy had 11, Harrison at 8. Stops, which is PFF's uh, statistic, which is basically the play was a not a success. 
Um, Murphy had 21, Harrison 21. Tackles, they're almost the same, 40 and 34. So really, mm. Murphy had him yeah. in sacks, 6.5 to 3.5, but like the real like steady metrics, they're almost identical. So to That's me, getting Harrison, when did you guys get him in the third round? Yep. Um 75. That is that's a great that's a great value relative to like the type of player you're getting. This is another former five-star guy. They but that's the other thing. Miles Murphy was also a five-star guy, so they're both five-star guys. Um the production just wasn't really what you wanted it to be or what it could have been, but maybe this is an ascending player who can get better and and, and kind of like finally live up to that billing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Now that you kind of because Miles Murphy was another player early early on in this process, I was like, "Hmm, okay, yeah, I could see I could see him making sense for Atlanta, depending on, you know, if he rose in, in estimation and he's in that top 10 mix or, you know, a trade down like middle of the first round, late first round, like is Miles Murphy going to be in play there? But maybe the team said, hey, look, yeah. everybody's connecting us to Tyree Wilson. Everybody's connecting us to, to Miles Murphy. Like in our recruiting or in our scouting process, we see a guy who's probably going to go day two later on in day two, who's got very similar traits, similar production to one of those guys like. Maybe that's who we have an eye on and, and develop him. So you've convinced me a little bit on Zach Harrison because I, I got to admit, I was he was the one where I was just scratching my head a little bit. And like the the defensive line is very crowded. You know, like, does he have a clear path to mm. getting much? But maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he needs to get in here. He just needs to. He's got the talent. He's got the overall athleticism. He's just got to kind of get that production up. Somebody with yeah. the exact opposite problem. Clark Phillips in the uh, the fourth <laughs> round. Right. Like uh, max out probably athletically, but the dude just is is super productive. You know, four pick sixes, I think nine interception in his career. Um, and what, how do you feel about Clark Phillips? A, a lot of people had him potentially as, as a second rounder, a, a third rounder, maybe uh, mm-hmm. going on day two. Yep. Um, do you think this was a really good third third day pick for Atlanta? Or do you think there's a reason that he, he kind of dropped? No, I like this pick. There was time early on in the process where I think I saw him in first round mock drafts. Um, Mm. And so, you know, maybe at the very end, like 31, 32, people were talking about him as a potential first rounder. And like you said, it was largely because of the stats, you know, the pass breakups, interceptions. Uh, He's a feisty player. You know, he's got everything you want basically in coverage, but he just didn't run very fast. Number one, which is always, I think, a huge concern for teams. He ran a four, five, one. um, Mm -hmm. And so that kind of, it doesn't pigeonhole you into like the inside or anything like that, but it is sort of a worry. Like if you're not running four forwards and blow at the cornerback position, like to me, I think a lot of coaches look at that, like, Oh, you might be a liability out there, especially when a guy's five, nine. And so, um, you know, he might be, he might've been viewed by the NFL as like a, a slot defender only. I don't know what the plan is in Atlanta. I hadn't, hadn't caught up on that, but he does strike me as like a nickelback type mm-hmm. prospect. And I think he could be a good one. Uh, I actually liked him. I had him ranked, let me see here. I have him ranked 71st. So it's like not, you know, it's right in the range where you guys got him, I think. Or that's good value that for was, where you got him. Yeah, that was the round the Zach Harrison pick. So they got him there you go. one round later. Yeah, yeah. so that 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 feels like a good good value to me. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he looks like a great slot defender type player and, and that could develop into a starter. They were just trying to recoup all of that value they gave away with Bijan just on day <laughs> two and day three. There you go. <laughs> they were just like, all right, who's the best value yep. add? Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that nickel corners probably, you know, they the Falcons were connected a lot to your Brian Branches, you know, this kind of bigger yeah. defender who fits nicely in the nickel. And and yeah, I think that Brian Poole was was Atlanta's nickel in 2016, just the undrafted player out of Florida who was 
I think a lot like Clark Phillips, like when I look at they, they're not going to wow you athletically. They're not ultra fast, you know, ultra quick, but just like heady players make the solid play, you know, are going to jump some routes. So when I turned on the Clark Phillips tape again, I, I was watching it with new eyes and I was like, all right. Yeah. Like he's maybe a step behind the receiver, but then he, he gets there because yeah. he's, he just Brian kind of Poole's knows. A great, that's a great when, comp. Yeah. It's <laughs> athletically like they don't, you know, but, but they'll be there. He's going to, he's going to instincts are going to lead the way mm-hmm. um, for him. I'm not going to ask you too, too much about these seventh round picks because even though you've got all the insight in the world, I, I don't know um, how much you know about DeMarco Hellams or uh, Javon Gwynn. What I will say though, is from a, <laughs> strategic standpoint from a philosophy standpoint i've noticed um because last year they they drafted justin schaefer and john fitzpatrick um on day three two georgia players a lot of experience there so this year going um you know with with two sec players again who have played a lot of snaps where do you fall on like hey it's day three are we going to take a swing at this guy who's played one season at at charlotte and has a basketball background but insane athletic traits you know, kind of almost like, um, wow, uh, Chris Ballard uh, down in, in mm-hmm. uh, Indy. Or do you like the, hey, these guys have played 42 career games in the SEC. Like, they're going to come to our camp and they're at least going to not be overwhelmed. Like, they're, they're going to know what to right. do. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Oh, that's a good question. It's, it's so hard because on one hand, I, I do feel like you got to have a, a certain level of athletic ability to like be an NFL player and like being an elite athlete gives you a chance to like most, most like great players in the NFL are like elite athletes, at least I think, Um, you know, and and so I tend to, I tend to lean towards the athleticism thing where it's just like, hopefully we can coach this guy up. But at the same time, the hit rate on those guys is really small. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) you're not going to hit on a lot of those guys. I don't think. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's definitely something to, the argument that like get these guys that have been battle tested in the SEC, like played real players, you know what I mean? Um, have been in big moments, big games. Um, so I can definitely see both sides of it. I would say I, I tend to lean towards like the go for guys with like really high spark scores and all that stuff. But yeah, at the same time, honestly, over the last 10 years, the hit rates on those guys is extremely low anyway. So uh, <laughs> I don't I don't have a strong uh, opinion one way or another that's just kind of where i've always landed but I, I i will recognize that you know the hit rate on those guys is pretty low typically it's like better to be good at football so <laughs> it's tough <laughs> yeah no i i agree with you because i i think i fall more on that end of of like yeah let's go for the big swing right yeah. like let's get the guy if, if he pans out maybe he's not a hall of famer maybe he's not even a pro bowler but like he's a good starter and you get him in in the seventh round and that's like awesome for the value that we we talked about but you know like a foyer Luican. Is a, is a perfect example. Somebody's sixth round out of Yale and you're like, all right, well, what, who is this guy? And then the athletic traits are, are there and he gets a second contract um, with Jacksonville. So I, I think I tend to agree with you that I would like to go with the athleticism and, and have that pan out. But that being said, you know, if, if these guys are just looking for a good special teams player, maybe go get the safety from Alabama who's played 38 games and exactly. probably is going to know exactly what to do. Um, all right, last question for you. Danny, because we this is my first chance talking to you about kind of the Falcons writ large this offseason. Just where do you stand on Atlanta and kind of what they've done this offseason, where they shake out in the NFC South? I mean, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on the Falcons? Yeah, I think honestly, I liked what you guys did over the offseason. I think, you know, some of the pickups you made, some of the trades you made, um, Jeff Okuda trade, I think made a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh, for the Falcons. I think obviously Kelly Campbell is 
you know, not necessarily what he was earlier in his career, but he, he offers a lot of experience and, and length and power off the edge. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other moves you guys made that I really liked. The David Onyemata. free agency, like Caden mm-hmm. Ellis, right? You guys signed him in yep. free agency? Uh, oh, Ellis, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said that before. Um, but yes, um, I don't know. I just I, I like all the moves. It's like you guys were plugging holes and, and adding veteran um, experienced guys and kind of just like making the roster a little bit better and, and ready to compete in a division that is absolutely wide open. And so when you look yeah. at um, when you look at the division, I don't, I don't even know who the favorite would be at this point, honestly. I think nobody. I guess it's the a Saints, but I'm not really that high on the Saints. Yeah, it's it's not like it's. I'm not high on the Saints. I'm not really high on the Bucks. Like the Panthers, maybe no. are interested, but like they gave away DJ Moore, which I kind of thought was their one offensive bright spot. Like, yeah, the, yeah, why not the Falcons? Why not the Falcons? I honestly that I don't know what the odds are right now, but like, yeah, I'd probably bet on the Falcons to be the most surprising team in here. I, I think that the Panthers are going to have a tough time. They have a pretty good defense, but uh, generally like rookie quarterbacks really struggle yeah. early on. And I don't think they have a lot around um, Bryce Young right now. It's just like there's a lot going on there on offense and it's going to be, I think, a struggle on offense to really like keep keep pace with teams, even though they have a pretty good defense. It could be like a lot of ugly games for them. Um and and then like the Saints, I just I don't know. To me, their roster is so top heavy. Just, they have like a few really good players, and then it's just like mm-hmm. a bunch of guys. And, and obviously, Tampa Bay kind of this is a um, transition year for them. We don't know who their quarterback is going to be. It's probably Mayfield, but you know that doesn't really move the needle for me. And so yeah, <laughs> yeah we've seen that the, before. Yeah, I can see the Falcons pulling this one off. Honestly, it's it's uh, it's a wide open division though. Uh, my my. Real time prediction would be that the Saints could be a team that start out hot, you know, like could they be four and one out of the gate and then just like injuries take their toll and they totally fade down the stretch. Um, But yeah, like the Falcons, if this is the AFC West we're talking about, what the Falcons have done this offseason probably doesn't move the needle too much in terms of of where they end up. But like, I think they knew the division. I think they knew the landscape that they were facing and the moves that would just just move them up enough to get into the postseason. And, And then from there, it's. You figure it out again next year. It's a year-to-year business. Um, but this has been awesome, Danny. Please uh, let everybody know what else you got coming down the the pipe uh, over at The Ringer. Yeah, so we wrapped up The Ringer NFL Draft Show. We're back to The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. That's going to come in at you, I think, once a week through basically June. And then back into July, we'll get we'll start doing two days a week again for the fantasy, ramping up for the fantasy season. Um, and then check me out at TheRinger.com and on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. There you go. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for uh, for joining me again, man. This was a blast. Absolutely. Go Bijan. <laughs> go Bijan. That will do it for today's show, which, as always, was presented by Bet Online. Thanks again to Danny Kelly, who was my guest today to break down the Atlanta Falcons 2023 draft. I hope you guys learned a little bit more um, about each of the prospects. Honestly, what he said about Zach Harrison, uh, I was really, really glad to hear <laughs> um, because I, I do have high hopes. And obviously when somebody's a five-star prospect uh, coming out of high school, the talent's there, he's got immense length athleticism. So I really liked uh, getting kind of a second opinion on that. Cause I don't know everything. Um, and, and it's always good to get just more thoughts, somebody else who knows and, and watches this game just as much as I do. And hearing him be a little bit more optimistic and, and certainly comparing him to miles Murphy was awesome. Uh, I thought that was really good insight from Danny. So I hope you enjoyed all of it. Uh, Going to try to have more like that 
on the way over the coming weeks and months as we get you ready for the 2023 season, a season in which the Falcons hope to be competitive and have playoffs certainly on their minds. So that will do it for me today. Please like, subscribe where you can. Spread the word if you can. We need a bigger Falcons flock uh, heading into the summer. So thank you guys again so much. I'll see you next time. And until then, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.